0: by Samarja inside the 20, inside the 10, he's going to end, Notre Run! has scored! Go, 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 go! You will be that driving force! to
1: motivate
0: those coaches and those players to beat Southern Cal. It's a game of who's going to flinch first, we know that isn't going to be Notre Dame.
2: Hello Irish fans, and welcome to the episode two of the Golden Domers Report. I'm your host, Landon Trailer, along with Dylan Kearns. Dylan, how you doing?
0: I'm doing awesome today, Landon. I'm just so excited to be here. Episode two of this young podcast that we'll be grinding through here over the next few years or whatever.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, folks, it is Thursday afternoon in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where I'm at. It is chilly, it's windy, and it's not like a spring day. Dylan, how's the weather in Orlando? Uh,
0: I'm in South Carolina right
2: now. Oh, um, my but man.
0: But the weather there is is—it's pretty nice. It's sunny out. I think it's like 78, so yeah. it's not too bad, but there's nothing you can really do when it's cooped up in the house.
2: <laughs> right. Yesterday it was 78, and I did some yard work yesterday Night. in my house, yeah. Well, folks, we're going to dive right into it. With our first topic will be Brian Kelly's future in the next 4 years. I'm going to let Dylan start off on this one. Dylan, go ahead.
0: I think Brian Kelly. Okay, now let's 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 take a deep dive into this. So Brian Kelly has been a phenomenal coach for Notre
2: Dame in the program. Yes. Um, he sure. came in in 2010. 2010. 2010. Yeah, it was either 10 or
0: 12. 12 was his big year, 10. Yeah, yeah, he came in in 10. And I still remember that first game. I was like, okay, I think it was Purdue he opened up his first game. And I was like, you know what? He's going to wake up some echoes here. Mm -hmm. So ever since then, I mean, he's been a great coach, but he just has a little bit of trouble in the big game. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. been some big games he's won, which we'll touch on later. Mm -hmm. But as it pertains to his future... We have this lethal class coming in.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, we have some five-star
0: players. We have some great recruits coming
1: in. Yeah, in next,
0: the
2: next year. Yeah, next too. year
0: in and the I next He has. That's what he has. Proof if he's gonna stay here and win, or if he's if it's time to let go.
2: Yeah, We have Huge recruiting classes these upcoming two years. I can't wait to watch Brian Kelly coach these guys. And my future for Brian Kelly. Look, Brian Kelly, he's been a phenomenal coach. I've loved him. I mean, I've only been alive for what two coaches, uh, uh, Charlie Weiss and Brian Kelly. so and I've done research on old coaches, and I've done re- I wasn't really you know active to know what Charlie Weiss did for the program. but he's by far in my top three coaches all time at Notre Dame. We'll touch base on that in another episode. but Brian Kelly. I think he's the best coach since Lou Holtz to, that Notre Dame has ever seen. And I mean, he's 71 and 36 in his 10 years at Notre Dame. And it would be 92 and 37 if the NCAA wouldn't have taken away the 2012 season and eight games away from the 2013 season. So I just want to point that out. Now, Brian Kelly, yeah. yes, he has had a lot of trouble winning the big, big games, but he has won. He, he's won a lot of big games. We'll touch base on that just in a few minutes here. But going off of his future, like you said, huge recruiting class, huge players, and you know Tommy Reese taking over the playbook. We'll talk, also talk about that in a few minutes. But what I want to talk about is, if you don't remember, on his November radio show with Jack Nolan, the Brian Kelly show, Coach Kelly was asked the question, Coach, how do you feel about the upcoming schedule in 2025? And Brian Kelly said along these lines that I will be long gone after that. Now, that kind of scared me when I was watching that, but, and then I, I, I thought about it a lot, and I realized, you no, know, Brian Kelly, he's, he's been here for 10 – this will be his 10th year at Notre Dame. And I think, sadly, his time at Notre Dame – Will end in the next four years. Yeah. Um. When he got hired, I think it
0: was him. When he got hired, he said, "Notre Dame isn't a job that you take for ten years mm-hmm. or right. more than 10. Right. And I could see it, it. I mean, there's. It's one of the greatest programs from a historical standpoint and all that stuff. But
2: I mean, it's it's a tough job. You gotta keep. Mm-hmm. You gotta stay competitive all the time. And I think one thing, call me nuts for this, but I think giving up play-calling saved his Notre Dame career. When he turned Mm -hmm. over the play-calling duties, he just had that bad year, and the offense was sort of stagnant. When he turned over play-calling duties, it really just shifted the momentum of the team. Yeah, Mm mm-hmm. And you know, one thing—trying uh, to make light of a bad situation with Brian Kelly's future—I just hope we don't hire Notre Dame doesn't hire uh, Brian Urban Meyer or Mark Wright. That would be awful for the program. Absolutely awful. <laughs> yeah,
0: it would—it would definitely fire up some of these fans that have been sleeping these past few years. Yeah,
2: and it also fire them up even more because you know we'll touch base on this on another episode. But little little uh, foreshadowing—I think Notre Dame fans. You know, I think we Notre Dame fans overreact a lot, especially last season. It, it amazed me last season how fans overreacted. But it is what it is. We'll move on to topic 2 and that is our top 10 Brian Kelly games. Me and Dylan spent a lot of time. It took me an hour and a half to narrow it down to just 10. I'll let we're going to alternate. I'll let Dylan go first and then it'll be me and then we'll re- alternate. Okay, so I have some games on here that might blow your mind. Um, as it pertains to some of these games, we didn't win. But I just watched those games, and I was like, you know what? That was a fun game. I loved mm-hmm. it. And Brian
0: Kelly came out there, and he did his absolute best, and the team was ready, and they still played well. Mm-hmm. But, of course, I'm going to start with his biggest win, I believe, in program history. It was the Oklahoma win in 2012. It was a 30-13 to 13 victory in Oklahoma.
2: hmm Man, I that was watching, a
0: massive win, man, for his I career. I remember
2: watching that game. That was awesome. My number ten game is the Navy game in two thousand eleven, where the Irish pounded the midshipman fifty six to fourteen. And while you want to ask, you know, why is that important? Well, that is that was my first Notre Dame game. I went to at Notre Dame Stadium with my grandpa. That'll always have a special place in my heart. And that was just a fun game. It was cold. It was it was actually raining. It started snowing a little bit. And it was a Notre Dame experience every kid dreams for, you know. Absolutely. It's just when you go to Notre Dame Stadium, especially for the first time, mm-hmm. and you can recall everything that happened,
0: that's just it's it's amazing. It is amazing I mean you know, when I went to my first game I was like seven and I still was a little spotty on what I can remember, but mm-hmm. as I got older, just going there, it was just it's a great place to take a game in at. It is. There's nothing
1: like it. it really is.
0: And I'm gonna go with my next game that I have on the list, and it's a little recent, 2018, the LSU Citrus Bowl. Looked to Boykin 21-117. Oh
2: man, that was awesome.
0: And I'm not even gonna lie, I just moved down to South Carolina the day before, mm-hmm. and since it was a New Year's. It was a New Year's Six Bowl, correct? Yes. Uh, New, it was. New Year's Day. Yeah. Yep. So I I moved down here on the New Year's Eve, and I was exhausted. So I was asleep for like half of the game. Yeah, I fell asleep like second quarter, and then I woke up like halfway through the fourth quarter, and I just woke up, and then I was like, "Oh my gosh, what's happening?" And then all of a sudden, Buck comes in, and he just took off. I was like, "Look."
2: Go. I remember that game. I, I had strep throat and I was watching it from my bed. And I was sick the whole game. And I, I fell asleep in the third quarter. And I woke up when it was tied. Or when LSU had the lead by three. And then Notre Dame or four. I don't. Notre, all I remember was waking up and to the pass were caught by Boykin. Boykin still on his feet. Touchdown. Happy New Year, Irish. That it was, was such an amazing call. That was and a, a
0: fantastic
2: play. Yeah, fantastic play. And I think that's what really started like the uprising of Notre Dames, like, you know, Notre Dame, you know, they came into the game, they weren't favored at all. And LSU coach Orjion and Notre Dame upset them. And that's what was surprising me. I think that's what, you know, Notre Dame got some national recognition because the 2017 season, you know, we couldn't Notre Dame really couldn't. I mean, they lost to Miami, then they lost to Stanford, and then they lost to Georgia. You know, we were the underdogs now because LSU, you know, they're SEC and huge win. With those lines, I'm going to yeah, be moving on. Yeah, you can go. All right, my bad. For my number nine game is the Navy game in 2012 in Dublin, Ireland. That was amazing to get to watch Notre Dame play in a different country. I mean, that was. I remember waking up, it was my uncle and aunt's wedding. In Bloomington, Indiana. We woke up at what? Six in the morning. We went to a breakfast place. We got kicked out for cheering too loud. So we had to go to a sports bar that sports bar that let us in to watch it early. And it was it was amazing. I mean I've never seen the team play in another country. I mean, Notre Dame brought a crowd and it was just amazing. And of course Notre Dame picked up the fifty to ten dub to start off the historical twenty twelve season, so yeah, that was definitely an amazing game. I, uh, Man, I mean, a- every single game against Navy has a special place in my heart for some reason. Right,
0: right. Yeah. And then that one was being in Ireland, that was just insane. Yeah. And my third game on the list, these aren't in any order, I'm just going down. Okay. But my third game on the list is the Texas home opener in 2015, oh, the Malik man. Zaire Show, 28-3. to 3. <laughs> Oh yeah! I still remember, I still remember watching that game, and I think it was on the first drive. carrying and towards tore ACL. Oh and I man! Like, oh that was, no! It was terrible. Oh, no, and then Zaire just took off, and I mm-hmm. was like, "All right, all right." Yeah.
2: <laughs> and for my number, ended
0: up breaking his ankle.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, and then the it was the game after. I mean, Notre Dame pounded Texas, and then we Notre Dame went into. Virginia and like two quarters in Malik Zaire tears or breaks his ankle and then enter Deshaun Kaiser and then we all know what happens from there.
0: (laughs) Game winner to Fuller. (laughs) Oh yeah.
2: And at number eight for me, I have the Michigan game in 2012. It was rainy, it was chilly, it was a Notre Dame night. The Irish and the Wolverines both struggled in this one, but Notre Dame managed to find the end zone more. Then Michigan that night beating them 13 to 16, 13 to six. My bad. Notre Dame beat Michigan 13 to six, and you know it was a sloppy game. It was really sloppy. Turnovers on both sides of the ball. I mean, I remember watching that Teo with that huge interception to set Notre Dame up to score. That was the only touchdown of the game. But Michigan really struggled, and and Notre Dame ended up pulling it off. Luckily, and Notre Dame then and then still unbeaten. For the 2012 season. Yeah, and I'm gonna stay in 2012. With my next one, Stanford 2012. It was the 20 to 13, the rainy game. Tommy Reese and TJ Jones touchdown to secure the dub in overtime. Man, that was awesome. I, mean, I was yeah. I was there with my grandpa. That's actually my next one I had on my list for number seven. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, should I even bother reading it? I mean, we all know what happens I mean, there.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, basically Notre Dame, it was rainy, pouring down rain, and me and my grandpa were there, but it was well worth it being there. Notre Dame struggled at first, but managed to send it to overtime with Kyle Brenz's field goal. So it's OT at 13, and Notre Dame struck first. Tommy Reese, remember Tommy Reese came in for every goal with that in that game, and yeah. Notre Dame got it in the end zone so with Tommy Reese. And then Notre Dame stopped Stanford, three four straight times to win the game twenty to thirteen and improved and improve to six and zero on the two thousand and twelve season. There was a lot of good games in two thousand twelve.
0: Yeah, I, I'm considering going back and rewatching that. If there's not a college football season, just going back and reliving those
2: days. Oh yeah, I, I, that's what I've been doing these past <laughs> few weeks is watching old Notre Dame games. Yeah. <laughs> Touchdown with the T.
0: Oh, man. (laughs) I love when the PA would just say that, man. That was awesome.
2: Takes me back, man. Takes me back. Yep. So, is that your other one as well? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then I'm sure you have this one on the list, so it might be a little too low or high, however you want to say it. The Michigan 2014, (sighs) 31 to nothing. That game was just a whooping. I had a party in my basement, and it was just amazing. (laughs) I remember that game. That's actually on my list. Later on, though, it's really it's more higher up than that. Um, my number six is the Oklahoma game in 2012. I mean, Notre Dame came in as huge underdogs. Brian Kelly was looking for his first major win at Notre Dame, and boy, did he get it. Notre Dame crushed Boomer sooner, sooner that night, 30-13, to 13, and Notre Dame, they kicked it. I mean, that I think that was the turning point. For Notre Dame history right there, because then we went, obviously we won 12 straight games, but that was the turning point for the 2012 season, because that was our first big, big game, and we crushed it, and we showed the nation we're here to prove something, but we didn't get it done in 2012. Yep. Man, that
0: was, that was such a big game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and then another one on my list is the 2018 Michigan opening night, 24-17.
2: Mm-hmm. That was a good game. Great game.
0: That deep ball, I think it was Wimbush to sink. Oh, yeah. Down, the, down the,
2: uh, Right down the middle of the field. Oh, yeah. oh my
0: gosh. I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I love the 2018 season. That was amazing. And for number five, yes, I promise you guys, this is my final 2012 one. This is Notre Dame and USC in 2012. Notre Dame came in 11 and 0. The Irish looked very sloppy in the first half and Notre Dame fans, including myself, were very scared of how this is going to end, you know. Number we're number 1 in the country and Notre they're looking to get to a national championship and Notre Dame looked very sloppy in the first half. I was scared of that first half because USC led 10 to 10 to 3 I think it was but Notre Dame then came back and took a 22 to 10 lead and then USC hit a field goal so it's 22 to 13 in the 4th and then in the goal line fourth quarter minute to go Lane Kiffin calls all those stupid plays. Thank you Lane Kiffin. <laughs> and Notre Dame ended up winning 22 to 13 and advanced to the BCS National Championship where we all know what happened there and we're not even going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. And that gave me sort of the flashbacks of when Notre Dame was trying to hold on to their se- their undefeated season, I think it was last year, or two- it was 2018. Yeah, 2018. Um, they went down to California, it was either Stanford or USC, I can't remember. It was, U- it was USC. I think it was USC, yeah. USC,
0: they went down to play the last game of the year, and they came out slow, I was just screaming at my television. Mm-hmm. I was like, they cannot lose here. But.
2: hmm They left holding on. Yeah. That was my number five, so yeah.
0: All right, next on my list is the Clemson 2015, 24-22. Irish scored 19 points in the fourth quarter. It was Mm -hmm. Watson versus Kaiser. Mm
2: Mhm. I remember that. That
0: was a rainy day in Death Valley. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I mean, it, it's sad that I got some of these close losses on here, but those mm-hmm. games just stick out to
2: me. And you know, one thing I want to point out is the year before that, Notre Dame went to Tallahassee and lost a heartbreaker to to Florida State, and then, oh. and then the rest of this 2014 season, we Notre Dame basically just collapsed. I mean, we Notre Dame won what they came in. Notre Dame came in six and oh and then they only they only won two games for the rest three games for the rest of the year for. Counting, they finished a regular season seven and five, and then won their bowl game against Rutgers. No, it, that was the year before that. They won their bowl game against uh, LSU in the Music City Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. That and was. That, was
0: that, that Florida State game. That was a pass interference game,
2: wasn't it? Oh yeah, it was for sure. Oh my gosh. And then, the 2015, we play a very tough Clemson team. Yes, again on the road. But the thing I love about that game is. Notre Dame didn't collapse after that. Notre Dame finished uh, the regular season with, I think, only two losses to Clemson and Stanford, both on the road. And then they got demolished against Ohio State in the bowl game. But that was a good loss for Notre Dame. I think that's what they needed. It would have been a huge to win, but they definitely needed that loss against Clemson. It taught them. I think it taught them.
0: Exactly.
1: hmm
2: all right. For my my number four, I chose Michigan in two thousand fourteen. This game was my first night game at Notre Dame. Oh man, I remember I was with my grandpa, and we were partying, tailgating before, and then we went into the stadium. And then my grandpa looked at me. He said, "This is gonna be the night." And because the <laughs> the year before that, uh, Michigan they beat us. They beat Notre Dame forty five to 30 they beat us 41 to 30 my bad and after the game Brady Hoke that big donut eater he came out on the field and did his chicken dance and so you know that fired Notre Dame up I think that fired Notre Dame fans up so Notre Dame comes in there or comes home and we send Brady Hoke back to Ann Arbor with a 31 to nothing loss I mean Notre Dame dominated that game alright that was a great yeah. game. Yeah. Take that. Yeah, nice. exactly. Chicken dance to that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and next on my list, this game still makes me upset. Oh, but, boy. I mean, it was still a good game.
2: Georgia in 2017, the
0: 2019 oh, Wimbush trips to
2: Loser. Yeah, that was a heartbreaking loss. They fought the whole game. They, they were in it, and they
0: just they played
2: their they played their tails off. They did. They really did. It was a heartbreaking loss. Remember that game. And my number three game is USC in 2017. USC came into South Bend. They were shaking their bus. You know they now they do that before the game. They always shake the bus, and then they come in. They're talking their trash before the game, and then. I think the only need, the only thing that needs to be said about that game is forty nine to fourteen. I mean USC, you want to talk all that trash? I mean, you got beat forty nine to fourteen. I don't want to hear it. You know.
0: Yeah, they just demolished <laughs> Sam Darnold, who ended up oh, being an yeah. early first round pick a year later.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: was awesome. I still remember that one too. Yeah. That was they had two big games at night that year. It was Georgia yep. and USC.
1: Mhm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was also on my list, so that was gonna be my I think third or whatever one we're on now. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, and then my number two is the Georgia 2019 last year. Oh yeah, and I, yeah. I have too many losses on here, man. <laughs> yeah, for I have sure. Too many losses, <laughs> but I mean. Maybe this goes back to Brian Kelly. These are so close games, man. <laughs> Every single one sticks out in my head, and I'm like, man, I love watching those games, even though the result <laughs> wasn't there. Like, yeah. I just hope they win. Just to, If they beat Clemson this year, I'm going to be dancing around the whole entire block,
1: man. <laughs> <laughs>
2: hopefully, hopefully. Hopefully there's a season. Hopefully there's a season. Yeah. And my number two game is Michigan in 2018. This was my first game as an usher at Notre Dame Stadium, and I don't think a kid could ask for a better atmosphere, a better game to start his ushering career at Notre Dame. The atmosphere was like no other I've seen in my life. I mean, the whole stadium was packed in green, and it was amazing. And of course, Notre Dame, they won 24 to 17, and Brian Kelly gets another win over Michigan. They beat Coach Harbaugh, which is good. Really don't like him. We'll talk about that in another episode. Our least favorite coaches, Notre Dame rivals.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Can't wait for that one. Yeah,
2: all right. That's my number two, Notre Dame-Michigan 2018.
0: And my number one, you already mentioned it earlier, it was the USC game with the stand there at the end of
2: 2012. Oh, man, that was awesome. I loved that game. Yeah. Yeah, my number one. Oh, first I have I have a couple I have one honorable mention because you know I I can't let this one slip. Um, you already mentioned it. It's Georgia, two thousand nineteen. Yes, Notre Dame lost twenty three to seventeen, but Notre Dame fought that entire entire game, which we've seen them not do in a lot of big games. I mean, Michigan, Alabama, those are just a couple. We have Notre Dame hasn't fought in in the entire game. Notre Dame competed. That's you know as a Notre Dame fan, yes, I like to see my team win, but I also like to see my team compete. And that's what Notre Dame did that entire game. And then for my number yeah, one sure and for not my number one game in the Brian Kelly era, I have the 2018 USC game on the road. Once again, Notre Dame enters the Coliseum 11 and 0, a spot in the CFP on the line, and once again, Notre Dame played a poor first half and scared the bejesus yep. out of me. We tar- Notre Dame, <laughs> Notre Dame trailed 10 to nothing at the half, but the Irish with I remember watching this play, Ian Book.
0: Dexter Williams.
2: Ah, uh, that comes okay, later. Okay, keep going. But keep Ian going. Book, remember he, how he dove for that first down and got kind of lit the spark, and Notre Dame went on to yes. score twenty-four unanswered, including the Dexter Williams break-breakout run where he threw up the deuces and he was gone. Yep. To lead. To that
0: include, Dexter Williams' run. That was that's one where I was sitting there as a fan. I was like, whew, "All right,
2: <laughs> yeah, we did it. We're back." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scored twenty four unanswered points and Notre Dame won two thousand twenty four to seventeen, and finished the two thousand eighteen season twelve and zero, and then went to the college football playoff and lost thirty to what thirty to three. I remember that, yeah. And you know, that was the- I have a little message for people who think that Brian Kelly can't win the big game, and uh, I wish you could see me, but I'm doing the quotes. Brian Kelly can't win the big game. If you say that, please come back to this list and check. Almost half of these, if not more, are huge games for Brian Kelly. And I. yes, he struggled in big, big games like Alabama and Georgia last year, and Georgia in 2017, and Miami in 2017, and Stanford in 2017. I could go on and on, but most of these, I just mentioned, are big games, and yes, he won those games, except Georgia in 2019, which I mentioned. With that being said, we will move on to topic three, and we're going to do the same uh, uh, format. It's our top 10 Brian Kelly era players. I'm going to let Dylan start on this one and this goes back to coach kelly a little bit on this one mm-hmm. my number one player or not number one i just typed out players names <laughs> um
0: on my list uh top of the list right here mm-hmm. is stefan Tuit. Oh, man. and believe it or not coach kelly got this recruit i think it was one of his earliest recruits or something like that but he took him out of sec country dude mm-hmm. was from georgia There are rumblings of him possibly going to Georgia Tech. Mm -hmm. And he came back and he's like, you know what, I'm going to pick
2: Notre Dame. And Coach Kelly sealed the deal on that one. Yeah, that that was awesome. I remember watching him play. For number 10, I have Tyler Eifert. He's from my hometown of Fort Wayne. He went to Dwanger and I just remember him watching him play, and it was amazing watching Tyler Eifert play. The way he, he wasn't just a tight end. I mean, he was a blocker, too, and that's what I love about tight end. Tight end is my favorite position in the the game of football. And the way he blocked, the way he caught, he was quick, he was strong, he was built, and I just loved watching Tyler Eifert play.
0: it's pretty cool he's, he's, he's had a pretty decent NFL career
2: too yeah he's been injured a lot man yeah if he stays healthy he's one of the best red zone weapons in the NFL for sure
0: and next on my list is a two-parter mm-hmm. these two are together Kevin Stefferson and Gunnar Keel no I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> it's Kevari Russell
2: oh man
0: cornerback number six I think he was he was awesome <laughs> Barry Russell,
2: man, yeah. <laughs> takes me back.
0: Yeah, we have a lot of old names on this list. Yeah,
2: and for number nine, get ready for this, Dylan Louis Nix the third. Remember that name?
1: Oh, he, he's three on my list. <laughs> remember that name? I got a sign picture in my room, right.
2: Now. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that name. <laughs> I love watching him play for the big f- buffet boy. Oh yeah, my favorite memory of him was watching him. Returned the fumble recovery on his senior day. And he just, he was running like the wind. He was sprinting. Everybody's running behind him. And then he dove in the end zone. That was awesome. I think the best part about Lewis Nix was not just the face mask, not the weight, but the reason he wore a single digit number on the D line. Exactly. That was, that was awesome. He was one, and I think he was nine. And was, I mean, he was just big, dude. He was yeah. big. Yeah. He's a big dude. He's a good guy, too. I love so, watching him play.
0: Yeah, he actually got drafted in the NFL, but he didn't really stick. Yeah he didn't really, yeah, he didn't really. He had an injury to end his career, didn't he, In um, Notre
2: Dame? Yes, I think he did.
0: Moved him down the draft boards. Yeah. Um, But Louie Nix was number three on my list, so <laughs> you can go over to the fourth if you want.
2: Uh, <laughs> All right. For uh, number eight on my list... Or you know, I'm am going from ten to eight. I think you're going from one to ten, or ten to I'm going from ten to one. I think you're going from one to ten. Oh well. Yeah. For number eight, <laughs> from number eight, Mike McGlinchey. Man, he was. I loved watching. 2018 was his breakout year. I loved watching him play in 2018, and then, and then he got drafted to the San Francisco 49ers, and he's 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 making moves. I mean, he was a great he's a great player overall in general especially in the NFL, and especially at Notre Dame. and Great kid, great great player to watch.
0: Yeah, and I believe the 49ers drafted him to eventually replace Joe Staley, their longtime left tackle. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's shown, I mean, Staley's still there now, but he's been really good in the NFL, and he was great at Notre Dame. Yeah. Now, here comes my favorite player coming in at number four. Like I said, these aren't numbered, but this guy's probably number one on my list. Okay. We're going with Sheldon Day. Oh, Indian man. Indianapolis product.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sheldon Day.
0: <laughs> remember his senior day moment with his mom out there?
2: Yes, I remember that, yeah. He, he
0: did the little handshake thing. That was
2: so <laughs> <Yeah>. cool. <laughs> oh, man. These names are taking me back, man. <laughs> yeah. And for number seven, alright, please don't laugh at me guys. I got Brandon Wimbush. <laughs> I'm laughing at myself here. But <laughs> yes, he wasn't the best quarterback at Notre Dame. But he was a great dude. Exactly. Great dude. Great guy. But Notre he only lost what? Uh Wimbush he only lost two games at Notre Dame. I mean, that's not bad, but I mean, you look who who he lost to. He lost to Miami, and he lost to Stanford, the two biggest games of the year. There were three losses, actually. I forgot about Georgia 2017. My bad. And then, obviously, he was replaced in the bowl game. But Coach Kelly, this comes back to Coach Kelly again. Coach Kelly really developed him, and it's, it's amazing. I mean, uh, he'll always have a special place in my heart because he led Notre Dame to a lot, I mean, what he finished he only lost three games and he won the first three games for us in 2018 so i'll be always be grateful because he won us those three games in
0: 2018 yeah he he sort of i mean he definitely needed to switch up the offense but he, he came mm-hmm. in there and won those big games that's yeah that's huge and then he even won on senior day so yeah
2: it was mm-hmm. pretty cool. yeah i forgot about that florida state
0: yeah yeah Right. And now fifth on my list, this guy. Rest in peace, George Atkinson the
2: third. Oh man, I love that kid. I love kid. that guy Me too.
0: He was great in the return game. He was great out of the backfield. I mean, yeah. he
2: was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Remember what in 2010 when he ran the Michigan State punt return back. That was his first one of his career. Maybe it was 2011. I don't know. It was 2011 or 2010 when he ran his first one back. And for number six, yeah. for number six, I have Deshaun Kaiser. I love this kid. I mean, he stepped up when his number got called. Literally, the second his number got called, Kaiser went in in 2015. Zaire goes down, Kaiser comes in, has a really good game, and then throws a bomb to Fuller to beat UVA. He did that so many times in twenty fifteen. And even especially in the Temple game, I remember watching that game with my brother on the T V downstairs. <laughs> Again, it was to fuller it was the fuller in the corner of the end zone. And while while uh, Kaiser had a disappointing end and a four and eight record in twenty sixteen, he still played great. You know, personally I think he should have stayed one more year and so Notre Dame would get him in twenty seventeen. Dylan, can you imagine what Notre Dame would be in 2017 if we had Deshaun Kaiser in quarterback?
0: I tell you what, man. If he would have been there in 2017, I think it would have changed the outlook. Mm-hmm. I think they would have played even they probably would have won that Georgia game. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I mean, it was Jake Fromm's first start that game, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was he was still super young. Yeah. But I think Deshaun Kaiser would have if he would have stayed in seventeen, they would have won some of those games that mm-hmm. they fell to.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: All right. And next on my list, this dude had a sad end to a Notre Dame career. Oh. I thought he was—he had a promise to where he could have played in the NFL if he wanted to, but Corey Robinson.
2: Oh man, Corey Robinson.
0: Go up and get it, big fella. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs>
0: he, he Former basketball—the uh, basketball player's son.
2: Yeah, David Robinson, the old Admiral.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: He was a great player. Uh, You know, even though it was a loss in the record books, for me personally, I'll always say that Notre Dame beat Florida State. That was a terrible call. We'll talk about that in another episode, hopefully. (laughs) That was a terrible call. I'll I'll always say that Notre Dame beat Florida State in 2014. But anyway, um, for number five, I have Dexter Williams. Get this, he started the 2017 2018 season suspended but then in 2018 he also came back and against Stanford got handed the ball his first play back and he was gone what i think it was like a 35 yarder and that's it really the score was tied at like what 14 to 14 and Notre Dame came out there and scored the first like touch, two touchdowns of the first of the second half and we started killing Stanford, and led by Dexter Williams.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and even course- going back to 2017 there for a second, if I will, um, if, if Kaiser was on that team, you still have Josh Adams in the backfield. Oh, table. yeah. Um, I mean, they would have been the, – the offensive line, they'd have had Quentin Nelson, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> McGlinchey. I mean, they'd have had everybody. I mean, that that team would have been fantastic.
2: Yes, for, that would for sure they'd be. can what if. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, you can continue
2: on. Alright. Twenty eighteen Dexter. Yeah, and of course, this is the last thing I'll say about Dexter Williams. When he went when he broke free in that twenty eighteen Stanford game, of course he threw up the deuces and I love it when he threw up the deuces. It was it was amazing. It was funny. It was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. You go ahead, Dylan.
0: Um, yeah. Next on my list, I'm going to go with a
1: Fort Wayne product, my hometown. We're going with Jalen Smith.
0: Oh Clear yeah. eye view.
2: <laughs> He's on my list. He always do
0: that swipe.
2: <laughs> oh, I loved it. You know why he did that?
0: Why? He,
2: I, I read it uh, a few years ago. He loved bowling, and it was with, uh, oh, I think it was, uh, Man, who was? It was a defensive player, and I think it was. Uh, uh I can't. His name's not coming back to me right now. I can't remember it. Um Niles
1: what,
2: Morgan. Niles Morgan, yes. And really? he he would Why, go.
1: What a guess.
2: Yes, and he would go bowling with him, and that was their thing. He would always do the bowling, the swipe. It was a bowling, and I remember that. <laughs> For number, That's cool. f- yeah, he was a great player. I remember. He was amazing. He was actually on my number two, so I won't even get to that because you already touched base on it. For number four... I
0: bet your number one is the same as mine, but keep going. Oh,
2: yeah, I bet it is, too. For number four, I got Chris Fink, one of my favorite players to play at Notre Dame. A walk-on captain, a very well-deserved walk-on captain. I mean, he reminds me of a little Rudy story. I mean, coming in as a walk-on and then getting to be a captain. Rudy was never a captain, but he got his shining moments, and Fink got his shining moment in 2018, especially when he uh, mossed, absolutely mossed, the Michigan defender in 2018, (laughs) and he just ripped that ball right away from him and took it and scored.
0: (laughs) That was sweet. Early on in the Notre Dame, in his Notre Dame career, I couldn't stand when they put it back. His punt returns. Yeah. I was like, if if he doesn't fumble, if he just catches the ball, I'm like, what's he doing? Yeah. I said, let's put CJ Sanders back I there know. and take one to the house. Mm-hmm. But I mean I guess Fink ended up being a pretty good punt returner in his career yeah. as well. Did,
2: I, I don't think he ever got one. He's he's or a punt return touchdown. I think he came really close a few times, but I don't think he ever got his re- touchdown return. Yeah. Yeah. All right.
0: So next on my list, I have, he also didn't have that, well, I mean, he had a decent career, but he's definitely not the kind of the guy you want to hang around nowadays, Michael Floyd.
2: Oh, yeah, man. Loved watching Michael Floyd play. Yeah. He, he, was, he was one of my favorites, if we're being honest. Loved that yeah. kid. And now, you know, yeah, he's not the best man in the world right now
0: he's got a world he's got a um super bowl ring
2: so yeah that's all that matters <laughs> he was, yeah he was on the patriots for about a week
0: when they won
2: <laughs> um for my number three i have drew tranquil what a comeback story drew tranquil had he went down against georgia tech while celebrating. Then he comes back in 2017 and has a phenomenal season. Then in 2018, he had one of the best seasons of his career, or the best season of his career. He killed it. He was so exciting to watch, and he was so energetic. He was passionate, and I loved watching him play. It was amazing.
0: Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's who I thought you'd have at one. That's who was at my top. Oh but no! I was there. I was there on one of his ACL tears. It was the uh, Georgia Tech, like you said. Yeah, I was, I was there at too. That I game get... that was Deshaun Kaiser's first start. Mm-hmm. And what... CJ ProSize ripped a huge run that game. Mm-hmm. Me and you were once sitting I saw together. Him go down celebrating. I was like, oh man. Mm-hmm.
2: If I'm not wrong, <laughs> me and you were sitting together with my grandpa and my brother.
0: Uh,
2: were we? I remember. I
0: don't think it was. I don't think it was that one. I, I think we were in 2017 against NC State.
2: All right. All right. My bad. That was the, of the I, Chubb game. But I was yeah. thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. For number two, we already mentioned it, so I'm just gonna go. It was Jalen Smith, so I'm just gonna go on to my honorable mention. Now I'm gonna get laughed at again by the Notre Dame fans who listen to this. Um, I know who it is. <laughs> Tommy Reese. It's Tommy Reese and. I think he gets too much hate. You know, he won a lot of games for Notre Dame. Um, you know, t- 2011. I mean, eight and five, yes, but that it's not bad, but it's not good, but it's not bad. But he did a great job in 2011. And then in 2012, when Golson wasn't having the best games or when Golson went down, Tommy Reese stepped up and he won this, won Notre Dame the games. And there's one thing for sure: Tommy Reese knows his football, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes.
0: Yeah, Tommy Reese. It's, it's an interesting name. Yeah. I don't know if I put him number one, but I mean, I guess this is our favorite. Yeah. About to say, just to balance out the list with some Wimbush and stuff, I might as well put Dane Chris on there. <laughs> 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 but number one on my list is The Tackling Machine from my younger days, Joe Schmidt. Oh,
2: Joe Schmidt. <laughs> That guy would tackle,
0: man. He would play linebacker, and he'd just make tons of tackles. I love that guy. Yeah,
2: he was a great player. And then for my number one, I thought we'd have the same one. I can't believe he didn't make your list, Dylan. Manti Teo. He had such an amazing career. I mean, what else is there to say besides Heisman runner-up? I mean, he was a key player, if not the key player, in the 2012 season. And... Yeah, you know, the story with his fake girlfriend and stuff. I mean, now it's turned into a meme. And, you know, (laughs) I don't really think it's funny, but, you know, he didn't know any better. But, that's that. I love watching him play. He's a great guy. He really is. I loved loved his speeches. I loved his message that he sent. And he was just a great kid. Great kid to watch, too.
0: Yeah, I'm not the biggest Manti guy. I mean, he was absolutely amazing. But, I mm-hmm. mean, there were guys that I I loved watching that probably weren't the best, but they were still one of my favorites. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: All right. Are you all done with your list?
0: That's it for me. All
2: right. We'll, with that being said, we'll move on to topic four. And that is Mike Bray's future for the University of Notre Dame men's basketball. I'm going to start with this one. Um, Mike Bray, all right, I'm... I love Notre Dame basketball. I love Notre Dame. But I do not like Mike Bray. And I know oh a gasping moment. But Mike Bray, I feel like he's not the coach that Notre Dame needs or wants. I mean, yes, an ACC title and two back to back Elite Eights. But if you see Notre Dame had a really good recruiting class those two years and on years before that. and But these past few years, uh, Mike Bray has a poor, uh, semi-poor recruiting class, and it's a coach's job to coach those guys up and develop them. And yes, he developed Fluger, and he developed the heck out of John Mooney. I loved how he developed John Mooney. But these past three or four years, Notre Dame hasn't had... Good recruiting classes and coach Bray hasn't really developed them and made them into a good team I'm not saying he's gonna act like, out, out here acting like Bob Knight no no coach can ever be like him <laughs> but what I'm asking for Mike Bray is to step it up a little bit and coach these guys and so my few fu- my what I have for his future is if he doesn't get things back on the right track by this year, God willing, hopefully there's a season. But <laughs> but if he doesn't turn things around for the Irish this season, um, I think it's time to part ways with Coach Bray.
0: Okay, here's where I sit on the Mike Bray line. I think he's a fantastic dude.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's great at developing players. Mm-hmm. But he needs to improve on his coaching.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. I think
0: I, I still think he's the right guy for the job. He has such a great he establishes great culture around the building, and he just I mean the way he develops players I said it on the last one, I'll say it again, and I'll keep saying it till I'm blue in the face.
1: Um, <laughs> I love
0: the way that that guy develops players. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could have these scrappiest guys,
1: and he'd just turn them into something. I mm-hmm. mean, he'd go, he'd develop
0: Matt Farrell. Mm-hmm. That guy was nothing, oh, and he yeah. turned him into something. For sure. Um, I mean, I don't want to name names this whole time, but mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's had some decent classes. There's some that he misses on, but, I mean, VJ Beecham was a good get.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: There are some other guys. Zach
1: August was pretty good. Mm-hmm.
0: But, I mean, you're right. He he just needs to get a bigger class and people mm-hmm. need to start respecting Notre Dame as a program yeah, from a basketball standpoint yeah. because most people look at it and they're like, oh, they're a football program. right?" Rarely, right. They made yeah. the Elite 8. Back-to-back back years. Back-to-back back years. ACC yeah. championships, yeah.
2: And, you know, Coach Bray, you know, I he's been the coach ever since I was born at Notre Dame. And... <laughs> no way. Yeah. And... <laughs> I've always learned, I learned from him. I've studied his play calling, I studied his offense, his defense. I've watched film of practices he runs. Um I really don't know why Notre Dame that doesn't click. I they don't they, last season they did not click at all. The, they came short in all those huge games and part of, I talked about this last episode, part of that is Mike Bray's coaching. I think if Mike Bray was a better coach, Notre Dame would have won. A few, if not all, of those heartbreaking losses against those big teams, but something's definitely got to change in this next year, or Mike Bray's time could be limited.
0: Yeah, another thing I want to touch on when it comes to Coach Bray's coaching is if you notice over the past, like even during his good years with the uh, 2015 and all the good stuff going on. Yeah. Um. All all during his good years and stuff. I don't know if this is a depth issue or what's going on, but mm-hmm. that guy never uses his bench. He uses like two guys off the bench every single game. I've and noticed that's, that's that what too. He's done for years. I mean, this year he started to expand because they had a little bit with mm-hmm. Leshevsky, Goodwin, and uh, Morgan and a bunch of other guys like that. But I mean, mm-hmm. that guy never uses his
1: bench. Mm-hmm.
2: That's true. And this year, which I'm surprised he uses bet his used his bench more this year than any year before because Notre Dame had eight scholarship players on the team. And I don't know, people, players left, and I don't know if it's Mike Bray running them out, or I don't know what's running them out of the basketball program, but I have huge respect for Mike Bray. I really do. But I don't think he's the man for the job that will get Notre Dame back to relevancy. Um, I'm not asking for a Digger Phelps or a Mike... Uh, Mike Shishovsky lookalike or clone or something. I'm asking for a good person, like a good coach and somebody who's going to develop the players and t- teach them. A coach's job is to teach them. And Mike Bray, I don't think he's teaching them the right way. I think Mike Bray runs an offense that's very poor. And I'm not, I'm not throwing shots at Mike Bray. I said it before. I respect him 100%. <laughs> But his offense, I mean, he'll come down or the players will come down and, you know, they'll run a few passes and then they'll kick it out for a three. That's on the players and that's on the coach. Yeah, and especially last season. Last season, you know, we talked about this in the previous episode. You have one of the best bigs in the NCAA. Why isn't Mike Bray drawing up more plays to get it inside of John Mooney I, I think Notre Dame should at least try to get it to John Mooney every play. And that's what really makes irked me last year, is how they did not get it to John Mooney every time.
0: Yeah, his offense is definitely based around the three. Even yeah. if you look back during the good years, mm-hmm. I mean, he'd have Demetrius Jackson and Steve Asturia chucking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you'd have Zach August and Bonzi Colson, and I, I'm missing a big, I can't think of his name right now. But, he. I mean, they just they have bigs down there that could score, mm-hmm. and he's just focusing
2: on the three. Right. But, and that, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: it's, he's got to fix something here in the offseason.
2: Yeah, so I'll leave it with this. You know, Mike Bray's got to turn around this next year, or I think it's time to part ways. I think Schwarbeck really better take a look at that and see his decisions on how the 2020-2021 20, season goes for Mike Bray. And with that being said, we'll move into our last topic, folks, and that is—I can't wait to talk about this—Tommy Reese <laughs> at offensive coordinator. I'm gonna let Dylan start out with this one because I got a few—I got a few uh, choice words, if, if you will. Yeah. So Tommy Reese, as you know, he called the bowl game last year as an yeah. offensive coordinator. He mm-hmm. was calling the plays.
1: Because I believe Chip Long announced that he was leaving yeah. before the game. Yeah. And I thought he did a really, really good job when he was calling plays. Yeah. I mean, there from the start, I think he was running too much, or I can't remember what he was. He was either yeah.
0: too pass happy or too run happy. He, I think he, he was, was
2: run happy. Run happy, for sure.
0: Yeah. I was like, you have Ian Book. Let's throw the ball. We haven't been yeah. able to run for mm-hmm. most of the year.
2: <laughs> yeah. And Brian, Brian Kelly. Tony Jones and. Yeah. Brian, yeah. Brian Kelly stepped in. Uh, I remember Brian Kelly kind of reminded me of. Uh, of a two thousand fourteen offense, you know, where Brian Kelly would have the say over every off every offensive play, but he still had the coordinators. And that's what that mm-hmm. bowl game kinda of reminded me of Brian Kelly getting the say. But go ahead with you were gonna finish. Yeah. So I think he did a fantastic job. I think he's he definitely has some promise as an offensive coordinator, and what fans need to realize is there
0: were teams offering or at least looking or programs looking at Tommy Reese potentially coming in to be a quarterback's coach or uh, offensive coordinator because they like what he put out there. Mm-hmm. So I think that he's great for, it, for the offensive coordinator spot. He's in a place where he feels comfortable. He's under his coach. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to do great things with the program.
2: Yeah, I, I think the same thing. And here's what I think. Tommy Reese, the co- offensive coordinator, love it. He knows his football. Played four years at Notre Dame. And he was the quarterback's coach for the last, what, three years since, what, 2017, am I wrong? I think that's when he came in at quarterback's coach. Yeah, I think mean, that's when he came in at quarterback's coach. This man knows his football, and he's, he's a Notre Dame guy. I mean, I wish he'd shave that ruggedy beard, but <laughs> but he's a Notre Dame guy. And I think that's what this program needs is a Notre Dame guy. I think Notre Dame is stacked coaching wise this year. Clark Lee, Brian Kelly, and Tommy Reese. I'm am starting to call them the Big Three. You know, I think they're going to click, and I think the Irish will have a phenomenal season with Tommy Reese coming. I hope Notre Dame. You know, Notre Dame's always been known for their defense. I think this year Notre Dame will be known for offense and defense. That'd be sweet. Kyle Hamilton really showed some promise in the
0: defense. Yes. And I mean, there's some young guys, Rutherford. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have a young defense, but I mean, the, uh, when it comes to the offense, I think it's going to be if if Rees takes that step to put them over the hump, then I think they're going to be fantastic. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I wasn't sold right away on Book coming back because I thought Jerkovich or Jerkovich, however you say it. Yeah. I thought that he had more potential. Yeah. Like he, a few years down the whole line. He for sure but did. Now that I think about it you got Clemson on the schedule mm-hmm. you got Wisconsin and Lambeau mm-hmm. you got, and you need a guy that has experience in big games mm-hmm. although his record probably in the best yeah. put him out there to win mm-hmm. those games and mm-hmm. see what he can do
2: yep and I agree I can't wait for this season and Irish fans that's all we have for today And we will see you next week. And as always, love the Notre Dame. See you later, Irish fans.
0: By Samarza, inside the 20, inside the 10. He's going in. end. Notre Dame has scored. Go, 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 go. You will be that driving force to motivate those coaches and those players to beat Southern Cal. It's a game of who's going to flinch first. we know that
1: isn't going to be Notre Dame.